Well, good morning, everyone, and uh, welcome to Journey Church. We're glad you're here today. Uh, if you are a, a guest, we're really thrilled to have you today, and we hope that you'll come back and worship with us often. If you're a regular, it's good to be together. One of the things I enjoy so much about um, Christmas and uh, last evening, or Christmas Eve, was that uh, people who oftentimes are out of town, family coming in and getting to see one another again and renewing relationships, it's just a really neat time. So uh, it's good to share in those things. I'm glad you have joined us today. A few weeks ago when we were preparing for this uh, uh, weekend, we, we wanted to come up with kind of a theme. It always makes it easier to kind of focus on something, and there's so many different attributes of Jesus and of Christmas that are, uh, are so important and valuable about this time. But one of the things we kind of landed on was majesty, and that's kind of why we began the whole service by talking about uh, Jesus, the great King. And that is one thing that we read about, and we know that Christmas is all about Jesus Christ, the King, coming to our, our earth. And, uh, you know, it seems like every time, uh, uh, every year about this time, uh, we start talking about the King, don't we? Well, not... Well, you know, Elvis has uh, certainly added his part to Christmas, but that's not the, really the king we're going to talk about today. Uh, we're going to talk about Jesus because he is the only real, true king. You know, as I was thinking of this, the whole idea of a king made me start thinking. As Americans, we exist here kind of because we didn't want a king, right? I mean, the American Revolution was fought uh, hundreds of years ago because we were rebelling against the tyranny of a king in England telling us what to do. There just seems something wrong to us about a family, a lifelong rule of someone, individual or a family, who control everything. And so in our country, we have elected officials that normally go in and serve a few years, and then they go back to private life. And, and we have different branches of government that hold and each other in check and, and balance things. And, and around the world at large, when you think about it, these hereditary monarchies are kind of going away. You don't hear a lot about kings in the world. Uh, and even in nations like Great Britain that have a royal family, they're primarily ceremonial heads of state that don't really have any political power. But you've you got to be honest to say that the whole idea of a king does have some attraction to us. I mean, when I was a little boy, we used to sword fight. We used to talk about King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. And the Disney has done okay with the whole kingdom thing, right, down there in, in Florida. And hey, you know, just a mile down the road, we got our own castle. Nobody, most people couldn't claim that. So the whole idea of a king isn't totally out there, uh, but when we talk about Bible times, the, the idea of a king was much more common. In fact, at one point in the world, almost everybody had a king except the people of Israel. And if you uh, remember, they wanted a king so badly, they were just whining to God, we want a king like everybody else, we want to be like, like, uh, like other nations. And finally, God gave them a king, and they found that he wasn't so great. He was Saul who had a, some personal problems, emotional problems, but also was very oppressive on them. And so they cried out to God, and God gave them another king. His name was David. He was the shepherd king, a loving, kind, righteous man after God's own heart that, that, that cared for the people and set up this uh, kingdom that uh, was the best known, the wealthiest nation, the most powerful nation all the time. And, uh, and so that was the king that um, that they look back to. We'll talk about that here in a few moments. But there were, even though there were kings after David, most of them never matched his power and his righteousness. In fact, most of them were really wicked when you think about it. All the way down through time, the study of the Old Testament, there were a lot of kings that came up, but most of them turned against God. All the way down to a king named Herod, 
Maybe you remember him during the, 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 the childhood of Jesus. When he was first born, King Herod wanted to kill all the babies so he would try to get rid of Jesus Christ. Later on, he took his own life after he had murdered a, a, a one wife and, and several of his own children uh, because he was so distorted in his quest for power. So, you know, a lot of the stories you read in the Bible about kings are really not very good, but today we're going to talk about a king that is good. We're going to talk about the great king. Uh, the, in fact, the Bible calls him the king of kings and lord of lords. And we'll get to where we find that here in just a few moments. But, you know, Jesus Christ was a king. When Jesus came, he never claimed an earthly kingdom. In other words, he never said, okay, the parameters of this area area of Judea, this is going to be my kingdom. He never set that up, and yet he spoke of himself many, many times as starting this new kingdom, and he called it the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. So this kingdom is not a territory. It's not a physical uh, kingdom, but it's a reign. It's a rule. It's an authority. It's not concrete in saying, oh, these are the parameters, but it's the willingness to let Jesus be the king of their lives. It's not a spiritual kingdom, it's not a physical kingdom, it's a spiritual one. And you see, the lordship of Jesus Christ is in the hearts of his people. It's a willingness to submit to his authority over us, guiding and directing our lives. And that's why you and I need to know about the kingdom. In this kingdom, Jesus said there would be the release of prisoners, there would be the restoration of sight to the blind, there would be freedom to all who are oppressed, all the utopia, all the wonderful things that people were longing for would be experienced in this kingdom of God. And so I want to take a few moments and look quickly at the kingship of Jesus and kind of what it means to us today in our lives. Most of us would not think that we are in a kingdom, but when you think about your faith, it truly is a kingdom that we're a part of, and we'll see how that plays out. In Jesus' day, the people lived in anticipation of a king because a king had been prophesied. Listen to Jeremiah chapter 23. This is not the only place, but just one of many. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. That is the name by which he will be called the Lord, our righteous Savior. In other words, the prophecy said a king would come like David, his ancestor. He would be wise and just and righteous, and he would save his people. And so all the way down through time, the king was promised, the king was prophesied, until finally the Bible says, in the fullness of time. What that means is when God said, now's the right time. When God said, today is the day, he began to plan to send the king. And and that day, a king was born. Now, Jesus wasn't born of a king and queen parents. In other words, his mom and dad were not not king and queen uh, at at all. In fact, uh, Joseph and Mary were peasants. His father was a king, God, but his mother was not. He was born, however, to human parents, and he was born in the lineage of King David as had been prophesied. All the years had been told that this king, this baby, will be born through the line of David. And Jesus fulfilled that. By the way, Jesus fulfilled not just one prophecy, but about 355 prophecies, which would be impossible for any one individual to do were he not the, really the promised Messiah that God had, had, had prophesied for. His mother Mary was informed of her special place in history by an angel. Luke chapter 1, an angel said to Mary, do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will call him Jesus. He will be great 
and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. So in other words, the angel told Mary, this young peasant woman, that you are going to be the mother of a king. I mean, that would just be unbelievable. Who, who could imagine, who could fathom that? She'd never met a king. Uh, she didn't know what a king was probably. And the, the angel said that the king will come from you. It will be your child. And he will take the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign forever. His kingdom will never come to an end. How hard it must have been for her to imagine this baby that she was still coming to grasp with, that she was going to have, that this baby with his humble beginning would become a king. And you know, for a lot of us today, we still struggle with that a little bit, to be honest. We, we really like to put Jesus in the manger in his rightful place and visit him once a year, and, and, you know, but we have a hard time thinking about him being the king of our lives. Really safe when he's there, but when he's a king with all that implies to us, that's pretty threatening to us, isn't it? But that really is the message of Christmas. Later on, when Jesus was a young child, the wise men came from the east to worship him. Remember that part of the, of the Christmas story? And they brought gifts that you would bring to a king. They brought gold, which is a symbol of kingship or wealth. They brought frankincense, which is a symbol of, uh, or which is an expensive perfume, a symbol of deity. And then they brought myrrh, which was an anointing oil that would be uh, put on a king whenever he died. And the whole idea of these kings coming from far away, following a star, coming to worship another king, you know, we sing about that, we, we know that part of the story, but that's pretty amazing when you think about it because there's a pecking order in kings. And kings don't just go worship another king unless they realize and acknowledge that this king is greater than they are. So here are these kings coming from afar in the east to worship Jesus, a baby or a child at this point being told that this was a king greater than they. That's a pretty amazing part of the story when you think about it. But then from humble beginnings, born in a manger, Jesus was a king who established his kingdom. So he established this kingdom that would be a little bit vague to a lot of people and would be totally unlike what people were looking for. Because you see, while Jesus was fully human, he was also fully God, and he built a kingdom. Not a kingdom that with walls, not a castle, but a following that was built through love and service and sacrifice for people. And the Bible is really clear about that in the books that describe his life, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He is spoken of as a king. In fact, in Matthew, 14 times is he spoken of as a king. In Mark, six times. In Luke, five times. And in John, 14 times. And Jesus constantly talked about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. He used both of those terms. And he compared it to a couple of things. First of all, he compared it to things of value. Remember when he said that my, the kingdom of God is like a treasure that a man finds in the field and he goes and sells all that he has to buy the field because the kingdom is worth more than anything else. And then he talked about the kingdom having the ability to grow. Remember where he said the kingdom is like a seed you plant in the soil and one little seed creates a tree that produces multiple more, multiple more seeds and provides a place for birds to, to roost. And unlike many other kingdoms that were very exclusive and limited that only a few people could be a part of, everyone's invited to be a part of the kingdom. In Colossians chapter 1, Paul says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. So no matter who you are, that's why we, we hear that one of the songs talks about people who are in darkness 
have seen a light, the light of Jesus. He has brought us from a kingdom of darkness, a dominion of darkness, into the kingdom of light. No matter who you are, you can be invited to be a part of this kingdom because it's a spiritual kingdom. It doesn't have earthly borders, parameters, or walls, but be assured that it has very clear expectations for its citizens. Because anyone who is a part of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, must have believed in and committed their lives to the king of this kingdom. Now, like every kingship and every kingdom, there has to be a sacrifice paid, right? And so this young baby that grew up to be a king had to sacrifice. He was a man of peace. He was not out picking fights with people and picking wars, but he was opposed by his enemies. And we know that in God's time, at the end of his ministry, Jesus was arrested, he was tortured and tried and sentenced to death. But here's the amazing thing, that even in in that, his enemies acknowledged his kingship in a twisted way. Do you remember how when Jesus was arrested, they put a crown of thorns on his head? They put a scarlet robe on him, they put a reed in his hand like a scepter, and then they mocked him like he was a king. And even Pilate, the Roman official who tried Jesus, He called Jesus a king himself, and he didn't realize what he was saying. When he was hung on the cross above his head, there was a sign that said in three languages, Jesus, or said, king of the Jews. And so there he died. But you know what? Unlike most kings who are killed in battle, Jesus did not stay there, did not stay dead. He came back to life through the power of God. You know, all this picture, Jesus was not just a king in his day. He is a king who transcends time. He continues to reign. We may come together once a year and celebrate his birth and all the, you know, all the part, things that are part of that. But Jesus is timeless. And he's all-powerful. And the Bible says right now he's at the right hand of God himself. And his kingdom is every bit as relevant as it's ever been. And he is preparing a kingdom for us. He is preparing a place for us in his kingdom, and he wants to be king of your life. In fact, I believe that Christmas is an invitation for you to come and see Jesus, not as a baby, but as the king that he will be and the king who will be over your life. He invites you to his kingdom, and the perks are unbelievable. The perks are forgiveness of your sins, peace of mind, empowerment, strength, and the opportunity to partner with God, the God of the universe. That's pretty incredible. And here's the other thing we know, that one day the kingship will be universal. Universal. The good news of Jesus Christ is for everyone, but obviously we have the choice. This is not a king who's going to dominate, capture, and force you to follow him or be a part of his kingdom. Not everyone chooses to view Jesus as their king. But the Bible says that one day he will come in all of his glory to conquer the earth. At that point, the ultimate battle of the universe will occur, but the victory is already guaranteed. We need not worry. In fact, the Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We can imagine what that is like when the king comes out of heaven and he displays his power for the ultimate last time that we'll ever be able to see that. And at that point, all those who have accepted Christ will be brought together under him and gather around the throne to worship him and proclaim him as king eternal. And unfortunately, all those who have not will be defeated and sentenced to eternity in hell, which is a place of separation from God. Now, here's the incredible picture that we see of all that happening when Jesus comes. Revelation chapter 19 this is incredible. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a right ho- white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. 
With justice, he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe, dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine white linen and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That is the king. That's Jesus that we will one day see. And you know what that phrase, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, means that in the end all other rulers will be conquered or abolished. And he alone will reign supreme as king and lord of all the earth. That's the visual picture that we have. There is no power, no king, no lord who can or will oppose him and win against him. And guys, that incredible picture comes from the baby in the manger, the newborn king. That is unbelievable, but that's the part that we have to see of Jesus, and that's what we wanted you to see today, just to get a glimpse of Jesus, this part of him who is king. So here's my question to you today as we wrap up. Is he your king? Is he your king? Have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? You must believe and accept him and commit your life to him. Is Jesus reigning in your life as he wants to? Because one thing about a king, you can't obey a king half-heartedly. It's all or nothing. It's all or nothing. He has to be in control of every area of your life. Because if he is not king of all, he is not king at all. So this morning, our, my call to you would be to make Jesus the king of your life. One day, all of us will acknowledge him. Why not do it voluntarily? say, this is the Lord that I want, because only if we do it voluntarily will we enjoy all the blessings of the kingdom. I can't think of a better time than Christmas Day to make a commitment to Jesus, and if you haven't done that, then I would love to have that conversation. I know there's a lot going on in your world today, especially, but to take a few moments and talk about the most important thing of all would be well worth it. I'll be up front. You can contact me later this week. You can fill out one of our connection cards and turn it in just to let us know that we're going to have a conversation about Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, we just come today. We worship you, Lord. We worship you as the king that you are, King Jesus who rules over our lives. God, my prayer is that on this day of all days, we would not only celebrate his birth, but we would celebrate his kingship. And we would be certain that he is king of our lives. God, as we come to worship, that our hearts would be clean, pure, surrendered to you, and long for the day when we see Jesus. I ask these things in his name. Amen. We invite you to stand and